This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Tonight I want to speak on something that it seems like we talk about quite regularly, and that's the subject of pride. You might be thinking tonight, going, oh no, not another pride lesson. People hit that over our head. I think Britt talked about pride not that long ago. And I want to start with a story. When I was about 15, 16 years old, it seemed like every other lesson was about pride. And I used to think, I was like, man, these dudes have some real problems. They really think they're so much better than everyone. They think they put people down all the time because they're just these great guys. And that's really what I thought when I was 15, what pride was. And I got that from Proverbs chapter 16, verse uh, 18. It says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I thought all pride was is if you had a haughty spirit and one day you're going to get brought down. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later because I believe that is true. But I didn't really think pride was that significant. I used to think pride was a good thing. I thought that you should have pride in the things that you do. If you do something, you work really, really hard for something, you should take pride in that. Or if you accomplish something, you should take pride in that. But I think I was kind of mixing up pride and maybe self-satisfaction when you feel good about something that you achieve. Because when you look in the Bible, the Bible does not speak anything good of pride. Pride can be a very, very bad thing. And that's what I want to talk about this evening. And I really want to focus on pride and our salvation, how pride can keep us from making it to heaven. So hopefully by the end of this uh, lesson, you'll see how destructive pride can be. So one of the main reasons I believe people will not go to church or will not change churches is because of pride. So you think you're studying with someone, you're showing them the Bible, you're showing them all the history of the Bible, showing them why the Bible is true. You come to the end and they have to admit one thing. They have to admit that they are wrong and then they got to do something that they're not sure that or they've never been taught before. That they're actually going to have to be baptized and they might not want to do that. Or if you talk to someone who's gone to a different church all their life, you show them what the Word of God says, but then when you get to the end, they have to admit that they've been wrong their whole life. And that can be very, very, very hard to do. But if you look at Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 27, it says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. So Jesus ain't saying here that we have to hate everyone. We just have to put the Lord above everything else. We have to put him above our own wants and needs. So if we have to come up to a situation where we have to say we've been wrong, we need to do that. We've got to let pride go away. And that's also the truth when you start talking about people who've been to church, other churches or raised in another church all their life. Who else do they got to say was wrong? Well, my family. All the other people that I went to church with, now when they ask me, where have I been? i got to say, well, you know, I've learned something else. So that can be very, very tough to do. You know, I grew up in the church. My parents raised me in the church. My grandma, my granddad, my aunts, and my uncles. And I remember when I was about 28, a guy said that he thought that I was doing things wrong, that we could do it a different way, and he wanted to sit down and study. So when I first talked to him, I really thought, you know what, I know what I can say to this, to this, and this. But what I really started thinking was, like, what if there is something that's going to blow my mind that I've never even heard before? So I went in there, and I was like, I'm just going to listen to him and see what he has to say. 
By the end of it, he went his way, I went my way, and I believe that what we do is true, but I just wanted to, I kind of played the devil's advocate on it, and I was thinking, how hard would that have been if he did show me something? Would I have been able to do that? Or would that pride have swept in? And I know people who've gone here, to, or here at this uh, congregation tonight has had to do that, and I can only imagine how tough that would be. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If we truly look at the word of God and we truly believe what he says, we have to do what Jesus has commanded us in the New Testament. The things that he commanded us, how, how to be saved, when we look at communion, when we look at these things, we cannot let pride get into, the way, into our way of doing what is correct or what God has asked us to do. Another thing is, if we turn the tables and we're studying with someone, what's one of the quickest things that's going to turn someone off? If we don't practice what we preach. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, it says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So what's Paul saying here? He's pretty much saying, i got to practice what I preach. i got to make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, there's... Something that really irritates me, it probably irritates a lot, and it's not just the Dallas Cowboys. They irritate me too, but what about these politicians who tell us, hey, you can't drive your car, no more gas, no more fossil fuels, and then they drive across the states in a big old airplane. You're going, you hypocrite. That's the biggest kind of pride you've ever seen. They're telling us that we need to do something, but they're not going to do it to themselves. And that's the same thing. If we're sitting down with someone, we're showing them how God says that we need to live our life, we're saying, hey, you need to do this, but then they see us doing something different. What are they going to say? They're going to say, those people are full of pride. They're just telling us what we need to do, but they're not willing to do it themselves. So we need to make sure that we are practicing what we preach. My second point is pride will cause many to leave the church. We're not going to read all this, but it's John chapter 6, uh, and it's verses 50 through 66 if you want to read it yourself or study it yourself. And we've, we've, we've read these verses many a times. In John chapter 6, verse 50, it says, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man, man eat of this bread, he shall live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, and I will give for the life of the world. So we hear this a lot on Sunday mornings around the communion table. It's preaching to us about... Uh, <clears throat> Well, it's figuratively uh, saying that the bread is in remembrance of Jesus' broken body. And later it says, drink of my blood. That's the fruit of the vine. It's all talking about the, um, <clears throat> uh, the communion. But did you know, and you can Google this, that the first century uh, Romans thought that Christians were a bunch of cannibals. And you got to think about that. We've studied this stuff all our lives, so we see what Jesus was talking about. But someone new coming into church says, hey, some guy says that you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. You're going to go, that's kind of weird. I don't know if I believe that way. Well, if we keep going over to verse 66, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. They didn't get it. And they decided that they wanted to go do something different. They wanted to do something that maybe made more sense to them. How many people today are not going to want to go to a church that doesn't have the musical instruments. Well, I really want to hear that. That sounds good to me. That's what I want. Or you hear a lot more about elder or 
women being elders. Well, it's a new day and age. This is how things should be done. So I think that this is how things should be going on. So just as it was back then, it's the same thing today. People are going to leave the church because they want to make their own decisions how to worship, make their own decisions about salvation, and they want it to fit however that they believe. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, it says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and departed unto Thessalonica. I'm horrible at reading those. But what was Demas' problem? He loved the world too much to be part of the church. There's going to be many people that will leave the church because they want to be in the best of both worlds. They want the world and the church as well. There's an agenda that keeps getting shoved down their throat, it seems like, all the time about the LGBTQ community. And what is that? That's people who love the world, but they also want to be Christians too. And that just don't help out. And there's churches that are condoning that, and all they're doing is enabling people to sin. There's going to be many people who want to live a certain lifestyle but still be Christians. And they're going to let that affect their salvation when it comes to the end, <clears throat> to the end of their life. In the book of John, or the yeah, book of Third John, verses nine through ten, it says, "I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them to forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church." This guy's problem was he wanted to be the big dog. He didn't want other people coming into his church and telling them how to do things. There's a lot of people who get mad because they think they should be more involved. How many people think that they should be the ones up here leading all the songs? They're the best song leaders there is. Or I should be the one leading communion because I'm the best one at that. They, the church needs to use me more. Or I should be a deacon. I should be an elder. How many people are going to do that? If they don't get their way, they're just going to move on to the next church, to the next church, so they get the role that they want. <clears throat> when you think about these kind of three different people, what do they all have in common? Well, they let pride uh, uh, lead their life, but most importantly, they want to make up the rules that they live by. If they think something should be done, then well, it doesn't matter what they've been commanded, they want it that way, and that's what they're going to do. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is not something new that's only been with the early church. This has been happening since the beginning of time. If we look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, it says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Adam had a really good thing going on, and then the serpent told the woman that you will be like God. Just like today, just like on... Page number three of the Bible is still going on today. People want to be their own gods, and they want to make up whatever they want to do with, if it comes to salvation, if they want to be the main dog. They're going to do whatever they can do to, to achieve that. So what must we do? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we need to be in the passenger seat let God be in the driver's seat. We must seek what he wants us to do first, and it don't matter what we feel, what we want to be, we have to make sure that we are seeking what he wants us to do above all. Finally, I want to take a look at my last point, 
As Christians, we can lose our salvation because of pride. When we are struggling to sin, what do we do? Do we ask for help for others, or do we try to pretend everything's okay, but we're dying inside? Luke chapter 18, verse 10 through 14, we've, we're not going to read this whole thing, but it's about the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee, he's up there, he's talking about how great he is, how awesome he is. He ties, he does all this. He even looks at the guy next to him and goes, I'm not like this dude. I'm way better. And then you got the publican who he looked at, and he's not even going to look up to heaven. He's beating his chest saying, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. You know, we've heard this many times. And the problem with the Pharisee was he wanted the love of men. He wanted to look like he had everything going on. And the publican, he knew how great God was and how powerful he was. And he just wanted to, uh, he wanted to be the best he could for God. And he knew he was messing up. So who are we more like? Are we like the Pharisee or are we like the publican? And I can look back in, sometimes in my life, and I was more like the Pharisee. I just wanted to look good, but inside I was having problems. And we don't need to look th- be that way. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. So what are they? They're like a, they're like a tomb. They look real beautiful on the outside, but on the inside they're dying. They're full of sin, and they're not doing the thing that God had wanted them to do. <clears throat> so what's the difference between the Pharisee and the publican, the main difference? I believe it's their heart. The Pharisee, he had the heart for the honor and the glory of men, and on the inside he was dying, but the publican, he had the heart for the Lord. He wanted to be the best Christian that he could be. You know, Jesus gave his life on the cross that we could have eternal life. His blood was shed that it would cover our sins and wash our sins away. He was that perfect sacrifice. So when we fall short, we should be wanting to say, I'm sorry, I want to do better. I want to be more like you. When we come around this table on Sunday mornings, you hear many guys say to, uh, to examine your life, to see where you're falling short, see where you can do better. And that's what God has asked us to do so we can be better and walk more like Christ. Because of the blessings he has given to us. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, if you're like the Pharisees and you're trying to look as good as you can, but on the inside you're dying and you don't want to tell anyone because you don't want anyone to judge you, think bad about you, then how can anyone else help you and, and fulfill the law of Christ? It says, Bear one another's burdens when you can. So we need to make sure we're letting people into our lives so they can help us out whenever we need it the most. James 5.16, we've seen this or read this verse many times. Confess your faults one to another. We need to let people in. We need to let people in when we're struggling so they can help us out. It's hard enough to go through this life. It's hard enough to do it alone. We don't need to appear as good as we can on the outside and be having problems on the inside. We need to be more like the publican. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, this is kind of what I talked about earlier, about you're going to be humbled sooner or later. And whoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. We can either humble ourselves and not worry how others uh, judge us or look at us or maybe think about us, or one of these days the Lord might humble us. Luckily, we might get humbled here on this earth, or it could be on judgment day. Wouldn't that be a sad, sad day to get all the way up to the pearly gates and him tell you to go somewhere else and you go, man, I should have let someone else, I should have let someone help me. 
I shouldn't have let pride creep in. I hope that gives you something to think about, about pride. I know it sure did me, because I used to did not think that pride was that big of a deal. But after doing this study, I realized pride can definitely hurt our salvation. And we might not even make it into heaven because we won't lower our pride and humble ourselves. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.